morning, College Hills. We are glad that you're here with us. If you are visiting with us, please know that you are our honored guest. We have a special gift for you in the back. If right after service you would head out those middle double doors and take a left, there is a set of welcome tables. We'd be happy to get to know you and give you a free gift after the week we've had. I think they're giving out ponchos to anyone who wants one. So for our guests, please pick up a complimentary poncho uh, on the house. As Chris and Emily already reminded us, and Johnny, we have our vision offering next Sunday. It's the first of four quarter vision offerings. These go to fun things like Baja missions, the many different missions that were mentioned by Chris and Emily, but also things like Winterfest and our student ministry, our children's ministry and summer camps, uh, spring retreats for our GPS and families of faith class, a variety of ways that that money goes to help be a blessing to our church and our world. And so we ask that you would remember that next week. Um, Jessica and I want to give a big thanks to this congregation as we have navigated and learned the first weeks of parenthood and this church has been so loving and kind and generous to us and so we just want to say thank you for all of the support over the last few weeks as we have uh, welcomed Everly and I was tempted to just show pictures of her this morning for 20 minutes and thought that would be sufficient but decided that we would uh, actually preach the text that uh, was given to me uh, this morning. And so if you want to go ahead and open your Bible, I want to read this passage again uh, that was just read for us. But I do want to give us the heads up that uh, the sermon this morning is a little bit different. Uh, and it's different in the sense that I really want the sermon this morning to try to do what a parable is supposed to do. And parables are supposed to raise questions and stir our imaginations. And that's what I hope this sermon will do this morning. Uh, and regardless of if you like it or not, um, it is about five minutes shorter than most of my sermons usually are, so it's already got that going for it. So I want to read this passage, uh, and then I want to preach this text. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful for the gift of Jesus. We're grateful for his ministry and for the ways that these stories that he tells continue to stir us, spark our imaginations, and call us to something different in the world. God, I pray this morning... You would give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would pour through me that gift and that you would give this entire church 
every man, woman, and child, the gift of an open heart. Not just so that we can hear your voice in this moment, but also so that we can hear and pay attention to your voice as we move throughout the week. God, I pray that we would be men and women in a community of faith who are transformed more into the image of Jesus in all that we do. By the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen. I still remember the moment when I was shocked and offended. Uh, More specifically, I remember the person who shocked and offended me. I don't remember all of the specifics, but I was a teenager, and I was at my home church, and it was the last night of our gospel meeting. Every spring, we would have a gospel meeting that would start on Sundays and would go until Wednesday, and Wednesday night was always the big night. That was the night when the invitation was offered. That was the night when all of the responses were to happen. And this particular gospel meeting was no different preacher preached every week every night of the week and then Wednesday came and he offered this great invitation but right before he offered the invitation and he asked us to stand and sing he told this story he told this story about a man in his life who recently had turned to Jesus and it wasn't just any man it was a man who was on his deathbed and this was a captivating and compelling deathbed conversion story. And he talked about, with just a few days left, how this man opened his life to Jesus. And he told about how he embraced him and welcomed him into the kingdom before he passed away. And he finishes that story, and then we stand to sing, and I notice that someone walked to the front. But instead of turning left to go to the guest preacher, they turned right, And they whispered in the ear of one of our church leaders. And those two went out into the hallway next to the auditorium. And then they came back in, summoned the guest preacher and another leader in our church. And they all went back out into the hallway to meet. And we all kept singing, even though none of us were paying attention to the songs that we were singing. Because everybody was wondering what was happening in the hallway meeting during the invitation song. The song ended, and the leaders and the guest preacher came back in, and this concerned member, and one of the leaders got up to let us know that that this particular concerned member had concerns about the story that the guest preacher had told. He had concerns about some of the specifics of this story of a man turning his life to Jesus with just a few days left. He wanted to know some more of the specifics of this man's road to salvation before he was willing to to celebrate it with joy. And so they asked the guest preacher to get up and clarify some specifics of the story. And then church was over and the gospel meeting ended. And I remember this moment vividly for two reasons. First, it it was one of the first times that I was tempted to use colorful language in a church building. Wouldn't be the last time. And the second related to the first, was I remember feeling that shock and offense at this concerned member. I remember being bothered deeply by them wanting to micromanage this conversion story and know all of the specifics before they were willing to celebrate. I remember thinking, how dare this person remain from a distance 
and stay far away from this joyous celebration of someone turning their life to Jesus before they knew all of the details. And that feeling of being shocked and offended bubbled up to the surface again this week as I was wrestling with Luke 15 and our specific text for this morning. I felt again that same feeling of of being shocked and offended, and my memory went back to this moment from when I was a teenager. Because one of the things that we have to, to remember about Luke 15 and parables in general is that they're supposed to shock and offend us and raise some questions. We're not reading a parable correctly unless we feel a little bit of tension in the reading. Unless we feel a little bit off-center when we're done with the parable. And in Luke 15, as we know over the last month, there's these three parables that Jesus tells that should shock us, surprise us, and raise some questions for us. We read this story about a shepherd who abandons 99 sheep just to go find one. And that surprises us a bit. We read this parable about a woman who turns her house upside down just to find one coin, and then when she finds it, she has a party. And that raises some questions. And then we get to this last parable, and we read the story of a father shamelessly running out to his son, who has returned home after he's been lost. And that party, that killing of the fatted calf, that music and dancing kind of moment raises all kinds of questions about the nature of God and the nature of faith. You can't read through Luke 15 carefully. You can't read these three parables carefully and not feel some shock and surprise and have some questions. And I think that's especially true with the part of our parable that we read this morning. Because in the part of our parable we read this morning, we read this response of the older brother, and it is shocking. Now, we we don't know a lot about this older brother up to this moment in the story. We're briefly introduced to him when Jesus starts this parable, but he comes front and center in this closing scene. We know of him, we don't really know him. But we soon get to know him a bit better as the events unfold. Because after he has gone from a long day of hard, faithful work, he comes back to the house that he's come back to time and time again. But this time something is different. This time there's music that's playing in the house. And he can hear music, and he can hear dancing. And so he does what any of us would do. He asks someone of the household, what's going on? And it's then when he's told that his younger brother, the the younger son, has returned safe and sound. And so the father of them has decided to throw a party to celebrate this wonderful, joyous moment. And then it's his response to this news that gives us insight into the kind of son and the kind of person this older brother is. Because he responds in two ways. 
Then he became angry and he refused to go in. The first response he has is anger. He is angry that a party is happening. And then secondly, and equally as important, he refuses to go into the party. This older brother decides to stay outside in anger and not participate in this party for the younger brother. And it's what he says in the parable that gives us insight into this twofold reaction. Because what he says is he's basically upset about the guest list and the conditions of the party. Not only is the party for the son, not him, the older brother, but it's also for the very son who has spent his life rebelling against the father, not him, the faithful, hardworking son. And so this concerned older brother chooses to remain at a distance from the party and brood in his anger. This concerned older brother decides to show his disapproval by not going in to celebrate. He's trying to make a point that he doesn't approve of what's going on. He's trying to make a point that he does not approve of who this party is for and why this party's happening. He chooses to stay outside and grumble over a guest list. And if you've been reading through Luke 15, you know that this is not the first time that this has happened. Because the way that the older brother responds to this younger brother's party is the exact same way that the Pharisees and scribes were responding to the ministry of Jesus. Both groups were bothered by the conditions of the party that was happening in front of them. Both groups decided to remain at a distance and grumble because of who this party was for. And if you're like me, then deep inside you're probably a little shocked and offended and bothered by their response. You're bothered by the way this brother responds to the younger brother and the way these Pharisees and scribes are responding to Jesus. I mean, who do they think they are? That they, in their self-righteous anger, refuse to celebrate. Who do they think they are that in their self-righteous, entitled pride, that they try to make a point by staying far away from the good thing that's happening. Have these two groups not discovered grace? Are they still living their lives so legalistic? Who does this brother think he is that he would try to make a point, that he would try to prove a point by staying far away from this party for his younger brother? The way that he responds in the story, in the way that the, the scribes and the Pharisees were responding to the story of Jesus unfolding, shocks me, it surprises me, and it bothers me. 
And yet I don't think that the real shocking and surprising part of this parable is how the older brother responds to the younger brother. I think the real shocking and surprising thing of this parable is how the father responds to the older brother. Kevin reminded us of this last week. This is not a parable about sons. This is primarily a parable about a father. The way that Jesus introduces this parable, he says there was a man who had two sons. The parable starts with a focus on the father. And as we read through these events, the focus is intended to stay on the father's response and behavior. And even when we misname this parable, and we call it the parable of the prodigal son, which misses the point, typically even when we call it that, we still get to the point where we notice that this father runs out and recklessly loves this son who has returned home. But then what usually happens is we get to this closing scene, this closing scene with the older brother, and we tilt the focus ever so slightly away from the father onto the brother. And the brother becomes this kind of ominous warning, this long shadow, and we warn our listeners, do not be like the older brother. Do not be like the older brother who, like the scribes and Pharisees, chose to stay far away from the celebration and joy that was happening in their midst. Don't be like them. But the shock and surprise of the parable is not the response from them, but the response of the father to them. Because even though the brother is a long way off in his anger and his disapproval of the party. The father still goes out to the older brother. The father still goes out and he pleads with him. He pleaded with him. He does not scold. He does not shame. He does not manipulate the older brother, all of the ways that we often treat the older brother, the father takes a very different path. He goes out and he says something to him that we cannot and should not miss. You were always with me. And all that I have is yours. You were always with me and all that I have is yours. The father responds to the older brother with the same spirit that he responds to the younger brother with. The father chooses to treat the older brother, even in his resentment and his anger, with the same gracious, loving spirit that he treats the younger brother with. Nothing can separate this son from the love of his father, not even his self-righteous attitude. And nothing can separate the Pharisees and scribes from the love of a father, not even their self-righteous pride. And it's that response of the father to the older son that is shocking, surprising, and offensive, and it raises all kinds of questions for us. Because here's my real temptation. My real temptation is to be the older brother to the older brother. 
My real temptation is to distance myself from those distancing themselves from the party. My temptation is to treat coldly those who are treating others coldly. My real temptation is to distance myself from those distancing themselves from the party. I can too easily become the other brother to the older brother. I can too easily decide to grab the guest list from the older brother and not let him in. I can too easily write off the Pharisees and scribes in self-righteous pride because they are self-righteous and prideful. I can too easily write off concerned members who want to squabble with the specifics of a salvation story. And all of a sudden, I become the older brother to the older brother. But thanks be to God that he still runs out to young prodigal sons returned home. And thanks be to God that the same father runs out to older brothers who refuse to party. Thanks be to God that Jesus is willing to welcome tax collectors and sinners. And thanks be to God that Jesus is willing to welcome Pharisees and scribes. Thanks be to God that he welcomes with warm arms deathbed conversion stories. And thanks be to God that he welcomes with warm arms concerned members. Thanks be to God that he runs after you and that he runs after me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you run after us. Help us never forget that that is the way you treat us, you treat others, and that you treat the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.